Absolute Geek Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. My name is Matt, and tonight I'm coming to you to tell you about a movie I literally just got done watching, a movie called The Bet. This movie was insanely funny, it's insanely vulgar, it's insanely raunchy, it had me laughing from beginning to end. There's just so many moments in this movie that just make you throw your hands up in the air and say, what the fuck, did they really just do that? Did they really just go there? How did I get away with this? And it's probably one of the funniest comedies I've seen in a long time. Uh, One of the things that makes this movie so special to me is that it's filled with pro wrestlers, man. You got the likes of Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, Tommy Dreamer, the late, great Roddy Roddy Piper, may he rest in peace. So many characters. You got Dave England from Jackass in this movie. You have... uh, Dion Bahar from, you may know him as Chota Boy from Orgasmo or Squeak's Little Bitch Scolari from uh, Basketball. Chuck D from Public Enemy, man. The cast in this movie is just crazy, and it's awesome how funny it is, especially for the cast that they used. Because you don't really see Diamond Dallas Page being that kind of comedy guy, or Jake the Snake Roberts for that matter, or even, I mean... You kind of get it from Roddy Roddy Piper a little bit if you've ever seen him in WWE and Piper's Pit. But it's just an insanely funny movie. And luckily I got to sit down with co-writer, co-producer on the film, Chris J. And lead actor, Alex Klein, who plays Denton Baker in the film. Uh, These guys are amazing guys. It was so much fun talking to them and picking their brain about the film. and, And kind of what they went through to make the film and how they got the cast they did involved in the flick. Um, It's a lot of good information and a lot of really, really good insight onto the film industry. So without further ado, I'm going to quit babbling, and I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to them, and uh, let's get into this interview. I am here talking with Alex Klein and Chris J from the movie The Bet. Now, Alex Klein plays main character Denton Baker in the film, and Chris J is the co-writer and co-producer of The Bet. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great, man. Thanks for talking to us, man. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks, man. Thanks for taking the time to, to sit down with us and uh, come on. Um, now, I actually had the pleasure to watch the movie uh, yesterday, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a fantastic film. Awesome. Very, very thanks, funny. Man. Funny. Very, very funny. Almost reminded me um, of uh, Broken Lizard-esque. Dude, that's a complete compliment. Yeah. We'll take <laughs> it. Huge compliment. We'll take it, yeah. So, You're uh, diary. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the listeners a little bit about the the film, The Bet. Cool. Well, here's the situation, Matt. Um, I mean, real interesting uh, uh, background on it. I'm in the band Army of Freshmen, have been in for many years. When the music industry started taking a turn, um, decided to basically write a movie. Just didn't want to see if I could write a screenplay. Got with my buddy Aaron in the band, and uh, we got with the producer, Reza Riazzi, who kind of guided us through the whole process. And uh, we got to the point where we were like, you know, instead of sitting around like every other goober that has a screenplay running around waiting tables in L.A., let's just make the damn thing, you know? Maybe it'll be terrible, maybe we'll have no money, but let's go out there, see if we can raise a little bit of cash and and do this flick. Um, Multiple things led to another, and we ended up finding ourselves in the position to make it, and uh, we did. It's been a labor of love for two years. We shot about two years ago, and it just got released this week. You know, we're talking to you fresh after the release and uh, Alex and I are running around doing a lot of work trying to promote the movie right now, so it's a pretty exciting time. Cool. Uh, why don't you go ahead and little, tell us a little bit about the uh, the background of the movie and kind of like the synopsis or a quick rundown of what the movie's about. Yeah, go for it, Alex. 
Uh, yeah, well, it's about this guy, uh, Denton, who's, uh, who's a little still behind in life. He's a uh, late mature, I might say, you might say. And he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's lost. He's essentially lost. You know, this part is hard for me. I'm like trying to encapsulate what this movie's about. And I, it's essentially really a guy, it's his coming of age tale, but in his late twenties. Um, and he, uh, to win a bet, the bet, I don't want to give anything away, but to win a, a specific bet, he, uh, he has to uh, hook up with his 12 crushes, 13 crushes, really, uh, in the movie to uh, win the bet. What I, what a very porky sort of situation. Yeah, and I found it kind of interesting that uh, not that one of those crushes happened to be a man. <laughs> well, it's not so much a crush. It was, you know, everybody goes through. Don't, don't judge me. No, no judgment. No I actually judgment. thought that was one of the funnier bits, Matt, because, like, um, you know, like, when you're a kid, like, you don't like girls in the second grade. You know, you, you, you just, you know, your, your closest homie is, is usually a guy. So I thought that was kind of a funny bit in, in the film that, like, his everybody knew that this guy had a crush on his buddy in the second grade. And, you know, they, they stuck to it in the bet. They wouldn't let him get around it, you know. And that kind of provided, hopefully, for some good comedy. Yeah, I thought, actually found that well, was... I uh, think it provides... Yeah, I thought it was actually a very... No, 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 my apologies. I thought it was actually a very uh, unique situation in in that film, kind of to add to that scenario that one of them happens to be his childhood best friend. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it provides for also the funniest scene in the movie. I think, or I think, you know, it's it's definitely the most original scene I've seen in a comedy before I've never seen anything like that. And I think it was crafted. We crafted it really well. <laughs> and that was one of those scenes that like, we were all really excited to shoot and also nervous because nothing had been done like that before. So we, we were like, all right, let's see how this turns out. And it turned out disgusting and beautiful at the same yeah. time. I mean, such a, yeah, no, you know what scene we're talking about, Matt, but if yeah. the listeners haven't seen it yet, it's kind of like a, it's a kind of American pie moment, so we're not trying to give it away, but um, I also get a kick out of this. There's already um, memes going around on the internet of that scene of, of Alex screaming, shooting this water gun, and then the reaction that happens after, which is me. So, um, unfortunately, Alex and I will probably be uh, linked forever in the, the annals of the internet. If we become, we'll probably become a huge meme, you know? Well, yeah, that was one of the questions I had um, kind of going forward here is that you, Chris J., play the, the character, Scott Quaker, who coincidentally he had a crush or has a crush on him or vice versa. And uh, with the, the water pistol incident, is that something um, that, you know, you were almost hesitant to film maybe or were kind of like, I, I don't know if we should do this because it, uh, it almost feels like you'd be like synonymous with that, kind of like Jason Biggs is with fucking the pie in American Pie. <laughs> Totally. Right, right. Well, dude, I mean, he should have. It worked out for him. I mean, I hope it works out for me. But, you know, um, I think it was the ultimate definition of taking one for the team. Like, right. you know, it, it, it had to be done, but yeah, I've been already getting beat up pretty bad from friends on text messages and whatnot because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's intense, but, you know, it, it had to be done and it actually played really well. I mean, Alex mentioned, again, I know we're talking in tongues about this. People are like, what are they talking about? But right now, if there's any scene that's really kind of catching fire that everybody's talking about, we got a big silly moment in it. And, uh, that's, that's what we're talking about with squirt gun. 
And, you know, it's yeah. just kind of one of those things. It's like uh, when we shot it, it was actually really done pretty cinematically, wouldn't you say, Alex? I mean, like, oh, was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It was, It was. you know, it was very technical the way we were shooting, and we didn't know how that was going to turn out. We tried different uh, viscosities, if I remember correctly, <laughs> things like that. So we weren't sure how it was going to look, and then... Uh, and then the final, the final product just looks. You know, I, there's actually a scene in uh, is it Van Wilder? It is Van Wilder. Yeah. So there's a scene in Van Wilder where they they have the dog. Oh yeah. Essentially, jerk <laughs> off a dog and do a into a flare, and they all eat it. It's that same viscosity, <laughs> just gag inducing, and it's it's just so funny. And I yeah, it, it really it really hit hard when we had the premiere. Like it, it, it got what we wanted out of that scene. Oh yeah, I, I just yeah, remember yeah. shooting this thing because Alex and I just couldn't stop laughing. I mean, every time <laughs> he pulled that pistol up to fire, he had some amazing yeah. ad lib material, and I was cracking up because I just realized how ridiculous this is. And we actually have like a camera crew around us filming this. Like this is like an like this is an important piece of work, and we're running around with like you know, squirt guns loaded with semen, like. It was it, hot brow. It was not, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I well, when that scene played out, when he pulls the pistol out of the uh, the glove box, I had to stop it a minute. I was like, "Wait, did he just say what I think he said? It's full of?" And I had to go back and <laughs> sure listen did. again. And I I had to stop it like three or four times and rewind it. When you actually get shot in the face, Chris J, I was I was dying laughing. That's. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. I mean, honestly, man, you know, again, we're, we're just kind of kicking the press off for this. So it's nice to talk to somebody that saw it and, and kind of got it, and, you know, and understood what we were going for. It's silly. It's fun. It's over the top. And it's actually really heartwarming. Heartwarming may not be the right word, but it uh, it definitely makes me feel good that somebody like yourself, who I respect, you know, and the type of stuff you're into, just kind of got what we were going for. Clearly, it's not a movie for everybody, you know? Well, yeah, and there's there's I a lot of... I think it has part, though, you know yeah, there's it, it I does. Jump on. I, 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 sorry, Matt. You go, you go. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just thinking, I think this movie does have, I, I don't think it's complete, you know, just, it's not completely empty, you know what I mean? It does have heart and there's, there's consequences. And I think I, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to play, uh, opposite of Amanda Clayton, who's just a fantastic actress. And, uh, I just, uh, it was really great because we, we, you know, we would, you know, we workshop stuff and what we came up with, I think, you know, I think we, we, we came up with some stuff that's really connected and, you know, it gives it a little bit of, gives it some heart. You know, it's still like a, <laughs> we know what movie we made, but, I, but I wanted to give it a, you know, we wanted to give it some depth so, so the characters had some bearing. Yeah. And Chris really did that too. Yeah, absolutely. And Alex just did such a good job of, uh, along with Amanda, just kind of holding down this insane universe. It, it was very important for us to find two really good actors because I think where these raunchy comms go wrong a lot, and, and Alex, I don't know if you agree with me, but is they just don't be, it's just insanity all the time with like a ton of loud sure. characters and everybody's overacting and stepping on each other. And we actually said, like, what if we try to approach this tiny little small micro budget comedy as if it was a bigger movie where we're actually going to try and like Alex said, put a little heart in it, have some good actors in it. And would that uh, translate a little bit to make it a little more realistic? And I think we got to kind of hide some of the budgetary issues that we had based on the fact that the cast was so freaking good. I mean, 
you see movies with much bigger budgets, they always got two or three people in there that just, you know, you're watching it. I know you, you're familiar with this, Alex, but that one person comes on and it's just like, oh, uh, it just kind of brings the whole scene down. And I, I really oh, think yeah. casting was one of the key things that's making this movie click. Yeah, yeah I think, it, you know, in, in all the scenes you see, I think the chemistry between all of those guys, between, you know, me and Brian Allen and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Ed and Wiggins and those characters and Jackson, I think, I think we all created something really nice. There's a funny, weird dynamic and you see specifically, and this is your writing is we specifically saw, you know, what place they had in that group. They all had very different personalities, you know? Yeah. And I think they yeah. all clicked. And I thought, you know, I thought that chemistry really worked too. Yeah, it was it was the right group of guys, man. Sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, and I really feel in my heart that we found the four people to be this, you know, our little wolf pack. And all the movies that work with those buddies like that, they, they, you have to give them their own characters. I saw this film recently that I shall not mention by name, but essentially it was um, multiple guys, and they were all the same character, Matt. You know, it was oh, wow. like... You ever catch one of those? Like, we were just like, whoever wrote this, like, they just kind of tried to go for it. We're going to make every guy loud and give them a laugh. And it just was kind of a disaster. Like, you got to be careful to, like, you know, you, not everybody's supposed to have the big laugh. Some people are supposed to have a subtle laugh. Like, right. I don't know. That's, that, that's what characters are all about. And, and, and good actors can, can pull that out. And I'm just so proud of the people that we got, you know, just couldn't be happier. And well, the reviews that we're getting are all saying like, Dude, this is really well acted. And I, I don't think there's a higher compliment than somebody actually expecting something and going into it and being like, Whoa, who are these people? Like you, these are people that really are going to have some good stuff going on. Oh, cool. That's great to hear. <laughs> Thanks Chris. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, you kind of said, you touched on a little bit there that it was a, a low budget, film uh it's my understanding that you started uh filmmaking completely from scratch and didn't attend film school or have any prior uh screenplays written uh what are some of the speed bumps you hit with trying to make a film like the bet i would say we hit every speed bump imaginable <laughs> i read like yeah i didn't go to film school at all Aaron didn't go to film school it's not our background we're music guys you know that's kind of where we came from so we just kind of dived in and and two things happened it either we either didn't know that we weren't allowed to do something and therefore it actually happened because people i don't know felt pity on us or just couldn't believe that we were just going down this road like you guys are insane and i think that kind of attracted a certain type of person to the project a guy like roddy piper for instance i think he was more blown away by the fact that like get the hell out of here how are you going to do this i want to be a part of it just to see if you pull it off you know um um but a lot of the speed bumps honestly to be to completely blunt reza riazzi the producer and ryan Edder, the director were so good and such pros we we what the thing that we, aaron and i did is we surrounded ourselves with good people if we didn't know shit about a certain subject we made sure we found somebody that did that wasn't kind of beat up by the industry like young people hungry guys so we got to cover a lot of tracks but i would say the biggest pitfalls um is, is post-production we i'm not being completely blunt right. with that we weren't prepared for what that entailed financially in time i mean we shot this thing two years ago i'm telling you i remember talking to alex and be like dude we're gonna have the best summer of our lives <laughs> six more months it's rock and roll time <laughs> two years later it yeah. got done because you know we were just learning as we went and you know, sometimes you get lucky with the people you bring on a project, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have the opposite of, like, 
you pay for what you get. It's, it's, uh, it, dude, it was such a learning thing. But the cool thing is I feel like I went to film school, but I got to graduate with a movie where I know a lot of people that are still struggling to make their first movie. And sometimes I almost feel guilty, but I, I do feel like I went through enough hell that I don't feel that guilty. <laughs> yeah. That's the very, uh, Kevin Smith esque right there with clerks that, you know, you, you didn't go to film school, but you got, you pretty much did and graduated with your first movie. So, that's yeah. I mean, we were we were gorilla in a lot of ways. You know, this this movie we had some of these shots we have. I think some of the shots were really beautiful. We got this. We had this guy John Schmidt, who's an unbelievable DP, like one of the best I've ever worked with. And he got some really gorgeous, gorgeous shots. And I think you know, for the amount of money that was spent on this, which was very few dollars in uh, movie making language, um, I think we have something that looks you know three to four times the budget. I think it yeah. looks like a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it is a real movie, obviously, but it's, you know, not the Hollywood machine. It's not made through that. And, uh, I think we made something that looks, it, it just alone. It looks fantastic, you know? Yeah. And, and that's our hope that people, um, can appreciate that and understand that somebody like you, Matt, who, you know, is a, a movie nut and is well-versed in this stuff. You, you can gauge, you can see it and say, wow, man, how do these guys do this for nothing? You know? Um, but I hope that translates to other people. I mean, it's a very, like Alex said, gorilla film, but I don't feel like it looks like that. And uh, that's really exciting. I think it's a testament to the people that work on it. And I think it's why we're getting some buzz. Cause I really think people expected this, Alex, to not, I mean, be as good as it is. I mean, you think that's fair to say? I mean, I do, man. Hey, hey I'm never going to knock this movie ever. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the best movie ever made, perhaps. <laughs> Definitely the best movie I've been in recently. Oh. Yeah, that's one um, of the things. Yeah, I, I think this is a... Oh, go ahead. Oh, God. Man, you and me, and me Matt. That, <laughs> yeah, go, you go. You it's go. that delay. Um, I think that's one of the things that really <laughs> caught me off guard with this film is just how how beautifully shot it is. And when I, when I found out that this was kind of uh, your first go at it, Chris J. I was like, man, this is well written. This is well acted. This is well shot. Like there, I, I didn't believe it. I was like, there's no way this is going to be one of their first movies. It, it, it's just, it's so well done. Dude, it's such a compliment, man. Seriously. I'm, yeah, I'm really, going to start crying. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we need to find like another 2 million people like you. And then we're, we're <laughs> off and running. <laughs> um, so, like you said, you mentioned Roddy Roddy Piper. I'm also a huge wrestling fan myself, and in watching oh, this okay. movie, um, I noticed the likes of you're Tommy. In good, you're in good company. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed yeah. the likes of Tommy Dreamer, Jake the Snake Roberts, Roddy Roddy Piper, Diamond Dallas Page. How did you go about getting them involved in this film? Man, I, I got to tell you, that's a, an extraordinarily long story, Matt. But to do the very, very, very fast version of it. Um, when we wrote it, I always had a dream of the two dads being pro wrestlers because I'm a huge wrestling fan. Um, wrote it, and when I was writing it, I was envisioning Mick Foley as Alex's dad, and I was envisioning Roddy Piper as the bad guy's dad. So for whatever it's worth, if you watch that and you think of those two people, I think you can see it. But um, basically, I went on a stalker mission um, you know, that was one for the ages, and I hunted down Roddy Piper, met with him, convinced him to be in the flick. He was going to be the bad guy. Um, then we got Diamond Dallas Page because he knew Roddy was going to be in the flick. It was like a snowball thing. 
And at the last minute, and I know you remember this, Alex, uh, Piper yeah. got called up to WWE to do some WrestleMania stuff. Mm-hmm. We didn't do the film. I'm thinking this is about to fall apart. You know, now, now Diamond Dallas isn't going to want to do it. Dallas, to his credit, said, I'll still do it. Let's see if we can find somebody else. We found Jake the Snake, who's, of course, friends with Dallas, on, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, I think it was 48 our notice does that sound yeah, real yeah it came out of nowhere too because essentially they obviously they were doing the uh you know they were doing the the rise of or the return of jake the snake i, I can't remember the title of the documentary yeah a resurrection of jack the snake. The resurrection right 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 and i think they you know they had been in, in close contact for for quite a while so it was just kind of a natural progression that it'd be like hey you want to you want to do this character and that mm-hmm. came, yeah, I, I think you said it was 48 hours, and we were, because we were scrambling. We didn't know. We, we were scrambling, yeah. We thought the whole bit was going to be ruined of the two dads being wrestlers, because it doesn't play right if they're not both right. wrestlers, you know? Right. But I remember we, we, we uh, had a car picking them up at the airport, and the freaking car for, missed, did not make it on time, was running late. We were terrified. I mean, I, I can say it now, but I was scared of Jake. I mean, you have to keep in mind, Resurrection wasn't out yet. You know, I knew he was doing really good, but I didn't know how good he was doing. I'm thinking beyond the mat, Jake. I'm thinking that, right. you know, a man with a severe substance abuse problem is coming out to destroy my movie. You know? And uh, <laughs> it was a total gamble, and, you know, uh, but he was amazing and such a fun, energetic guy, and he got behind it. And then in the process, we got the two wrestlers in. Again, Alex and I could tell you a hundred crazy stories with them. But right, uh, yeah. what's even even better, Piper calls me during the filming and says, Chris, I'm so sorry I couldn't do the movie. Um, you know, I, I did put a word in for you. And that's how, what a class act Roddy Piper was. He called Diamond Dallas Page and said, don't bail on this kid. He's a good guy. Do this flick. You know, I, I give it my blessing. And uh, Piper, I go, Roddy. I was like, are you in L.A. at all? And he's like, yeah, I'm in L.A. for like a day. I was like, I beg you, please, we'll write something in two seconds. We please just come up and just put your face in my movie? Yeah. Like, he, he was a hero, and I became friends with him. To his credit, Matt, that guy said, absolutely, I'll come up tomorrow. I drive down to L.A. I pick Roddy Piper up. We totally bro down. I drive back to my house where the scene was going to be. And essentially, I had a little idea for a neighbor to walk up. And he and Alex literally in the middle of lunch workshopped a small scene and, and, and filmed it immediately. And I got, I had freaking Roddy Roddy Piper upstairs, you know, hanging out in my house. <laughs> it was surreal, but I mean, Alex, what was it like working with him? I mean, because this is really crazy, but Alex is the last actor to have worked on screen with Roddy Piper. I mean, that's just, he it kind of blows my mind, you know? It was, it was, I mean, and this is regardless of where, you know, um, he was one of the best collaborators I've ever worked with. You know, we're both trying to scramble to, to, to do this scene. We're not sure what's going to happen. We're like, I ha- we have you for this amount of time. Let's workshop. So we started talking. And Roddy, he's just, he's a natural actor. You know, he was, he was a guy who knew what he was doing. This wasn't like some, some you know, on a lark because I was a wrestler. You know, he, he'd done They Live. And he'd, he'd been a movie actor for a long, long time. Yeah. So collaborating with this guy, as soon as we started talking, I was like, oh, that feels wonderful to have somebody who you feel like this kismet with because he knows what he's doing and he's interested in it. And it's not just something that he got paid for the day to do. He's actually interested in making something good. 
Yeah, and, and we're talking a small little cameo, and he's putting that much energy yeah. into it. Most guys would have showed up higher and Piper, whereas, you know, give me my bucks, I'm out. But he didn't do that. He was, like, working with Alex on a two-minute scene as if it was the most important scene in the world, you know? And it and it, it, floored, it took me aback because I, I guess I just wasn't ready for that, you know? Not that I, I, I don't know. I'd never worked with people who'd worked on stages that large before. You know, these guys have been in front of 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people regularly. You know, this is something they've done for a long time. So I didn't know if this was a, I didn't know how he felt. But as soon as we started talking, I was like, oh, this guy is into this. He mm-hmm. loves this. He loves this like I love this. And we started to talk and it just, you know, we had some ideas and we popped them off on each other. And we were like, yep, that works. That works. Let's try this, do this. And there was a couple of takes he did that I just cracked up because he's yeah. so earnest. Well, you so know what's interesting? Yeah, Alex, uh, not to cut you off, but he, Alex and Roddy did a much longer scene. What you see in the film is, of course, as you saw it, very short. It's like a minute, right? We were just trying to get across the point that DDP, Alex's dad, was kind of, you know, in trouble. And, you know, Roddy just kind of came up and said, hey, your dad's getting crazy, right? But Roddy actually threw a bunch of sweet one-liners in there. And honestly, yeah. in hindsight, God, I wish we would have kind of used a much bigger scene. But for the flow of the movie, that's what we went with. But we do have that footage. One of these days, I'm sure we'll pull it out. I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, put it up online. Because I just think people that love him deserve to see that scene in full. I mean, would you agree with me, Alex? I mean, just to see Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, just, I was kind of, yeah, I think he had, he's just, a, he was an incredibly smart person. Mm-hmm. He was an incredibly smart actor and alive and just there and vibrant. And, yeah. And, 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 and you know, even... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go, I was just saying, uh, after we shot the thing, I had the privilege of driving him home, so I left all these people at my house. House is destroyed, and, you know, wife wants to divorce me. <laughs> but I got Roddy Piper in the car. I don't care, right? So, we, Matt, he was such a, an amazing human being. I, I kid you not, we bonded. And I know that sounds a little extreme, but him and I kept in touch. We had some wonderful conversations. Uh, we kind of became friends, and uh, we'd saw each other again. He, he was really excited about the film, even though he was only in it for a minute. He was such a support of the project so one of the coolest moments for me obviously passed which was really sad Alex was one of the first people to hit me up oddly enough to let me know but um, when he came on screen at the premiere last week that audience clapped they clapped yeah. instinctively mm-hmm. it was such a neat moment I don't know if you picked up on that Alex but I was just oh, I, I thought that was did. so cool yeah yeah He's, he was one of those guys I think he just left wherever he went I could tell yeah. you know he had he, we had very we didn't have a lot of time with him but he just left the mark, you know, wherever he put it. And he had this, he had like a, I don't mean to be cliche, but he had a, he had a twinkle in his eye all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of person you want to connect with. He's like, he's like, I don't know how to describe it. Like he was in on, he was in on the the bigger joke. Do you know what I mean? He's like, I get this. I know we're doing this together. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, like he, had, he, he, just, he, he left a mark. Yeah. He really did. And um, and what was really cool for me, it was a cool moment, is I don't know if you know this, Alex, but Roddy Piper's daughter was at the premiere. Uh, her yes. name is Ariel Toombs. She's actually a very uh-huh. talented actress herself. But, you know, she came and she really liked it and she thought it was really sweet. And that was kind of almost, I don't know, just kind of hit the spot. You know, I felt like it was a full circle thing that we could, you know, just kind of provide another moment for her, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She came up to me, actually, after the... Uh, after and she said, uh, "Can you tell me a story about your dad? About my dad?" And I was like, "No way! Oh, wow!" Yeah, so wow. I told her the story about just working with him and what it was what it was like. And you know, I didn't. 
it's hard to know. It, it was a it was a true story, but I wanted her to understand the intent of like he was special. I know he's your dad, and you probably have your own you have your own history with him. But he was a special man, and and I it was really I felt blessed to uh, you know be able to work with the guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, he. I, if there's one thing I'm proud of, no matter what happens with this film, and we'll see over the months where it goes. But hey, you know, we got to, you know, you got to be, got to make the movie that ended up being Roddy's last film, and and that that means the world to me. Maybe more than anything, it really does. And uh, right. all those wrestlers are just fantastic, wild, crazy guys. And yeah. I grew up loving wrestling. I know Alex did, and. Um, and the wrestling community, they're kind of the first ones to kind of get hit to this. You know, the first little press we got when the trailer came out, uh, movie people aren't backing this at all. You know, they're acting like it doesn't exist. It's actually the wrestling community that's kind of fine in this movie, and they're the ones telling people, like, yo, this is actually funny, this is funny. It's not just, oh, you get to see Jake or you get to see DDP. They're actually right. vibing on it. So I'm hoping that they're sort of our catalyst to bring this to other people and hopefully find that it's a fun comedy. Right. Yeah, I can definitely tell you that I wish I would have been a fly on the wall in the room the moment that you handed DDP a script and said, <laughs> listen, you're going to be a guy who lost his wife and now he's trying to build his new wife out of Legos. <laughs> I, I can only imagine You know what's response. interesting? He played it totally straight, too. The guy I thought Dallas, like Dallas played it like this is what he was doing. He didn't play like, blah, blah, blah. you know, he wasn't hamming it up. He played it like this was something he was doing. There was, you know, I don't know the psychology behind it, but it seemed like there was an earnestness about, it. you know, he was, which the thing that I guess got me is you, you growing up watching wrestling, you see these huge personalities and you see them do these over the top things. And, you know, when they talk to mean gene, they'd be huge and over the top. And <laughs> mean gene. these guys, yeah. Um, uh, but then, uh, they get on they get in front of the camera and they're grounded they're totally grounded you know that's the thing it's like Dallas having those scenes with him and then talking about the Lego lady is he's totally he's serious it's his thing it's what he's doing it's not like he's not mugging or doing any of that stuff and I think yeah kind of a I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't give myself or every, everybody more credit for for doing honest you know strong really great work I thought yeah, and, and we actually cut a couple DDP um, funny moments. Um, there's actually a real funny scene where Alex comes home and DDP and, and uh, Wiggins, played by Jeremiah Watkins, are um, they're both uh, masturbating with sand. Um, <laughs> and I know that sounds bizarre. It's, it's not as graphic as you think. They're both under the covers in bed, and Alex catches them and like, yo, careful with that sand or whatever it is, you know. And, uh, yeah. and it was actually a real, real funny moment, and I believe it got cut. There were two reasons. Number one, we had a very serious, um, Alex will appreciate this, but a serious wardrobe issue that he just went on this date and he comes home and we just blew it. I mean, we were shooting this stuff on the fly and Alex was in a completely head-to-toe, totally different thing, you know? So he's like, i got to go home and see my dad and the door swings open and he's like, wearing right. a bright yeah, yellow shirt with a ball cap, you know? Um, <laughs> So that was weird. But number two, it was just, it, it came off, not creepy isn't the right word, but it just made uh, Jen sure and Dad, DDP, a little sure weird. And we actually wanted a little more sympathy out of them. So he, well, unfortunately, DDP lost some really funny lines because we wanted to make him a little more sympathetic as opposed to a psychopath. <laughs> I think that where they try and recover when a man is banging on or there's a, you know, when uh, they have a confrontation with Amanda to some degree and they're running around both Wiggins and Dallas running around 
trying to figure out what to do. I think Dallas really shines, and then I think he's really, really funny. That's great. Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, to, you know, Matt, basically to answer your question, I mean, it was it was awesome to work with them. I mean, I'm ready for that yeah. to be my calling card. It's every movie I make, I want to sneak a wrestler in there, and that's that's my that's my Hitchcock <laughs> moment. You know. I mean, I have to admit, other than Denton Wiggins, was probably my favorite character. Oh, cool. He, oh, right on. Well, let me tell you something about him real fast. Uh, that's played by Jeremiah Watkins, who is a tremendous stand-up comedian. And you can actually catch him right now, literally, like, tonight. He's got uh, he's doing a part on uh, that new Comedy Central roast battle. He's like, he's like one of the judges character type guys on it. So he's somebody that I think is hilarious. If you ever get a chance to see him do stand-up, I mean, literally, you'll die. He, he's incredible. No. That guy has unbelievable impressions. He's he's an impressionist. Like that's where he he started off doing that, and then you know he's implemented that into his comedy and stuff. But the guy has unbelievable impressions. He does. Oh yeah, uh, and he does weird he ones too. He, he does Patrick like Warburton. Yeah, he does like Patrick Warburton. He does. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. He's hilarious, and and, and so is Yasser Lester, and I mean, and Brian Allen. A lot of people think uh, he plays. Um, um, I got Jackson in the movie and really loud over the top. He's hilarious in it. And if you if check this out, he's not stand up. A lot of people keep telling me like, Oh dude, I want to see that guy do stand up comedy. And I'm like, actually <laughs> he's such a goddamn good actor that yeah. he can, you know, do comedy. A lot of actors can't man. Guys like Alex and guys like Brian, they're rare that can really do comedy and drama, you know? So, um, just, we're really blessed to have some very funny people in it. I can tell you one right of the on, scenes. Baby. Right on. One of the scenes that um, kind of made me go oh, and then fist pump at the same time, is when uh, you you talk about DDP finally uh, screwing the Lego lady, and you're, they're like one <laughs> one pump and she exploded, and then when uh, when your character Alex Denton walks up to home plate to to take the bat and he looks down and the Legos are still there, I was like I can't believe they went there, but I'm so happy they did. <laughs> and not only that, but there's like I think if, if I remember correctly, there's like like really heartfelt music playing. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Dude, so I thought both you guys something really funny. We yeah. never laughed at that when we were editing the movie. We actually thought that that was an intense moment where Alex realizes like. That's the moment. And when we had it at the premiere, keep in mind, like, no one saw this. We kept this thing kind of top secret. Dude, the audience erupted when Dan looked at the Legos. Like, that was like one of, you know, sometimes in a movie, Alex just laughs you don't expect. That was the one that I just couldn't believe people were laughing. I loved it. Right. But it, it meant yeah. that they actually listened to the speech and realized, holy shit, you know, he did actually try and bang a Lego lady. You know? <laughs> And then that's what exactly what it was. I was like, there's no way he actually tried to bang it. And, and I was like, they won't reference it again. And when he looks down and the Legos are there, I was like, holy shit. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm so glad you picked up on that, man. This has been a heartwarming conversation for whatever it's worth. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I was actually surprised at the, the cast you guys have in this film. I mean, you have to look close, but like you have Dave England in it and, uh, uh, Dan Bahar, um, and I think Chuck D's in it also from Public Enemy. Yeah, like you, you have quite a supporting mm -hmm. cast for this film. 
yeah, dude, those are all favors. I mean, those are all, I, I, as weird as it sounds, those are not guys that uh, we pitched or had to go through agents. I mean, I, I very bizarre, the most bizarre friendship I have in my world is uh, I'm friends with Chuck D. And, uh, you know, I just literally begged him to do it. He wasn't sure if he could make it. He lives part-time in Ventura. Guy calls up, I'll be there in one hour. I got five minutes. Use me how you can. Boom, shows up. Um, Dave England, a gentleman up here, uh, J.D. Jury, who kind of helped us with the film and, and put a lot of pieces together in Ventura. He was friends with Dave England. He asked him to do it. Our producer, Reza, had worked with Jerry Bednar before on a project and became right. friends with him. So I'm telling you, this, this movie... The one thing I want to impress upon anybody who's listening to this is if you ever want to see something that a lot of people put a lot of work in and did it for the right reasons, that's this movie. This wasn't because it was a huge studio. This wasn't because people got paid a lot of money. I mean, literally, there are people in this movie for free that literally just wanted to help these younger guys try and make a funny movie. And I don't know. I just, I'm always, I love underdogs, man. I mean, I've been an underdog my whole life. I know Alex has and his chosen profession. And it's kind of like, I mean, is this crazy to say Alex, but like, this is the ultimate underdog movie from like all aspects, you know? I think so. I think so. It's, it, you know, it, it was interesting. Cause I gotta say, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a tall dude. I'm like six foot two or six foot closer to six foot three. And you cast a guy that was, taller than everybody in the film and I was like how essentially I, or except for Jake maybe and I was like thinking how is this going to play but the writing you made it made it so I could there was no there was no alpha qualities about Denton's you know what I mean mm-hmm. like, I think he made something that was just he wrote something where he wasn't going to be the guy that was like a bro you know yeah, but you brought the comedy to Alex. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story, Matt. When we did the auditions, Alex, um, this is a true story. Alex and I are forever connected as extras because we were both extras in a comedy um, quite a few years ago now that sort of yeah. fell off the face of planet Earth and, quite frankly, maybe for the best. But we, 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 it was a movie called Beer Punk Saved My Life. And you and I met for like two seconds on the set of that. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we did. I think I, I think you did something really funny. I was like, great job, dude. And you were like, thanks. And, then I was thanks. and he was the only person that talked to me while I was there. And that was the end of it. So that was my experience with Hollywood. I was like, oh, there's only one this guy in Hollywood. It's Alex. So um, years later, we're making this thing. And Reza was friends with Alex and had worked with um, our producer on one or two things and he said I want to bring this guy in he met him on beer pond blah 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 I didn't think much of it one way or another dude we wrote Denton very straight laced Denton was just the guy that had shit happen to him and all the other guys were funny Alex came in he was one of actually the first people to audition because he was friends with Reza so you know he kind of like you know first morning hey let me see my buddies first before we go elsewhere and he came in Alex read this scene and you know the bit where he's doing the karate kid rip off yeah <laughs> So we do, we wrote a line that says, what's your finishing move? And he's like, headbutt to the nuts. Mm-hmm. And we just pictured a guy kind of, you know, just saying headbutt to the nuts. Alex does this scene, and he takes his hand up in the air, and he reaches out for the nuts. But instead of grabbing both of them or bringing his head down to the nuts, this is totally true. He grabbed each testicle, air testicle, right, and brought one hand with one testicle and hit it, and then went down to the next testicle and brought it up to his head and hit it. And I 
kid you not. That's how he got the role. That's how he got the role. <laughs> we, we laughed out loud. He walked out the door, and I said, that's that's my dad. I'm, and everyone's like, well, dude, I thought we wanted, like, a short, like, really kind of pretty, kind of almost like a quiet guy. And I was like, no. I was like, this guy sees comedy in this role that I never envisioned. And literally, and it's a complete compliment to Alex, but it was, look, he holds that movie together. He's hilarious in it. He believed in it. He went the extra mile on every level. And it just, it was literally meant to be but it was such a weird world we lived in if he didn't reach for the testicles like that as weird as it sounds I may not notice how creative he was I mean one (laughs) thing like that and then hey God willing Alex it changes both of our lives and you know 10 years from now we can laugh about if you grab those nuts like that we wouldn't be (laughs) that's my legacy so be it (laughs) well I but, I have to uh, ask. Uh, that, that's what did it for me, man. That's what made me made me realize his genius was just how he grabbed uh, air testicles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have to ask. Uh, Denton, Take that, Marcel Marcel. <laughs> Denton's character What's finds that? himself in some pretty outrageous predicaments in this film, um, from the the ball mm-hmm. gag part to the the nun uh, who had the the pussy exorcism, it, it, and mm-hmm. everything he's trying to do. Now, was this like something? that came out of events that happened in, in real life maybe that were just blown up or is this no. something that was just completely made up? I, I wish, um, it was, you know, it was completely made up. Uh, but at the same time, it actually was influenced by the fact that, um, having been in a band and been on tour, I actually got to meet a lot of girls that I grew up with, um, whether they would come to a show and introduce themselves or whether I was playing in my hometown of Cape May, New Jersey, you know, where a lot of people still live and they would come out or we'd go to the bars after the show. And I was, I'm a nostalgic guy, man. I'm a weepy, always living in the past type guy. And I always thought it would be so interesting to see where, you know, girls that I had a crush on, where they ended up, you know, because that girl that you or me or Alex was in love with in the sixth grade that we thought the sun rose and set on her in the hallways of junior high school, maybe that's not so glamorous right now. You know, it's just, so the deeper thing of the film is just, it's kind of a movie about like, where do people end up? You know, just be like, just cause you were the cute ballerina in, in high school doesn't necessarily, and now you're a stripper and, kind of the, the punchline again and again in the film, but a little bit was more of my own curiosity as I was seeing where some of these people are. So what I did, the names in the film, they're all real names. I just played with them. So I'd take like my first grade crush and stick I her name. That. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. So like, I would take her name and stick it on that. So there's going to be a lot of girls that grew up in Cape May, New Jersey that hopefully see this and they're like, that motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but see, get, you're getting 12 losses. However, none of the girls are those characters. So the characters are not based on people, but dude, you got to sneak the names in there at the very least, you know, just so a couple buddies back home would be like, dude, I bet he's talking about so-and-so. But again, I, I don't know anybody that was a promiscuous slut that turned into a nun. So it's more, <laughs> you know, more influenced, not necessarily a true story, but if you put it, and I don't know if you caught it, Alex, in the final scroll at the end, when we have the copyright, all these, this is all based on fictitious stuff, but it would be bad. Badass if a dude tried to hook up with 12 girls he went to school with. Did you catch that? Oh, <laughs> no, I did not catch that. I'll have to rewatch no, that. Yeah, credit, so. Actually, uh, I didn't catch that either. <laughs> yeah, there's, not, there's a lot of Easter eggs, man. I like to think if you watch this two or three times, you'll find a few things that are like, I didn't notice that, you know? <laughs> um, now, Alex, this is a, uh, we're a very uh, 
Geek podcast here. We talk about everything that's going on in the community. And a little Yay. birdie told me that uh, you uh, landed a role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Is, is that true? I did. I did. And it was awesome. And uh, I, I shot it in uh, late February, early March. And I just... Uh, can't really. I wish I had. I'm. I'm a huge comic fan. I'm a huge Star Wars comic fan. Um, and uh, I got to. This was a dream come true. But I get to play a bad guy who does something very bad, and uh, he pays for it. But it's awesome. It's just a really cool. You know, James Gunn is an awesome guy, and the set was fantastic. And it was a. It was a three day shoot. So uh, I think it's going to look gorgeous. And it's our, even the scene that I was doing. I'm like, this is funny. This guy knows how to write comedy really well, and you know, in a high stakes situation. I love his writing in general. So I don't know if you're a trauma fan or anything like that, but he's like Kabuki Man and stuff like that. And I just think he's funny. He's got an he's got an ear for funny and obviously action. So it was a dream come true. So I have to ask, do you feel that this movie is mm-hmm. going to stand up to the first one? You know, it's it's. Uh, yes. Cause, yeah, of course, I'm in it. Of course, it's going to turn cinema. Um, no, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't, you can't really ever tell, especially I didn't have access to the entire script. Marvel and Disney are super, you know, hush-hush about things, and you have to sign an NDA, and, you know, they give a blood sample, and my first point, and all that <laughs> stuff, it gets crazy. So they don't, uh, they don't let you know, you know, what's going on in the script. So you have, essentially, your scene and your sides, and then you, and then you shoot it. So it's a lot of, uh, a lot of imagination we're, we're across from a blue screen and the whole thing so uh but it's fun because james is james is really going and he you know he's like try this try this ah that's funny all right now make it a little bit more intense you know he's just a really easygoing director it was, I, I couldn't believe it. it's one of those things you know you grow up and you get chastised for reading comics it's basically vagina deflector you know <laughs> and then you come in later in life and i'm like holy shit, I'm in a Marvel movie. I'm in a fucking Marvel movie. And so it kind of just, it was kind of a full circle thing. And luckily, I actually got to work on uh, uh, Force Awakens um, in August. I was, oddly what? enough, I was, uh, yeah, did I not? Okay, I was, uh, I was Adam, Adam Driver standing for the American reshoots at Bad Robot. You're so kidding! Was, no, no, super duper hey. awesome. Dude, Alex, that's awesome. I had no idea. So so not overseas. Like, if they needed to do some fresh stuff on green screen in the States, you were his stand. Right, right, right. Actually, it was, actually, it was all at Bad Robots, so it was all blue screen. How many days did you do that for? Uh, two days. That was two okay. days. Oh, that's um, super cool, it, man. It was crazy, because I got to see scenes that I, I wish... I'm, I'm a Star Wars fanatic, so I, I got to see, scenes, uh, see uh, scenes that I didn't necessarily want to see, you know? Like I was there when uh, the whole Han no. happens, and I was like, "Oh, I stood in for that." And I was like, "Wait a minute, is this what I think it is?" That's how you found out, PA. And I was like, "Oh man, it is." It was so torn. I was like, "I mean, what was the non-disclosure I, on that shit?" Like, there's no yeah, way well, they just let you talk about that, right? Yeah. Well, I wasn't gonna. I couldn't say anything. I'm afraid my house was bugged. You know, you never know. <laughs> So, like, you know, I did that scene. And I was like, oh, this is what's happening. Because there was no doubt, you know. They'd shot all the entire film. They just had some specific scenes between uh, Daisy and, and Adam uh, from what I was shooting to uh, to really nail the, uh, the heart of it. And so I got to see these two actors who are phenomenal. They're phenomenal actors. 
like truly some of the best I'd ever seen. And their, their chemistry, obviously, from the film is really good, too. And I got to see them do some really intense, uh, high-emotion scenes. And I was like, wow, I'm here, back with this piano. In fact, the craziest thing was, I, I, you guys saw it, obviously. So, you know, he, uh, he's like, let me teach you the ways of the Force. And she's, she's, she mouths the word, the Force. And then she, like, opens her eyes. And they did the shot, like, six times. And this PA and the second AD are, and we're in the back. We just look at each other and we're like, this is, I like looked at one guy and looked at the other and I was like, oh my God. And the one guy just shook his head like, yeah, he knew. He knew exactly what was going on. We were there witnessing some part of cinematic history and that was, wow. it was a magical, magical moment. Magical. That's crazy, man. I'm, I'm blown away. I had no clue that, no, that's, that's just wild. <laughs> What's weird is most people, when you say stand-in work, it's like a dirty word. Nobody wants to yeah, do well, that. Yeah, well, I'd never done stand-in work before. Yeah, but if there's one movie, movie you do it for, literally, <laughs> that's the movie, you know? That's right. It. And, you know, everybody was super cool, and and J.J. was a great director, and, you know, he was, you know, he had to direct me to do stuff, so I got to have, like, this mock lightsaber duel with him, and I you know, almost peed my shorts when it was happening. <laughs> like, this, is, this is real life happening to me right now, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And yeah, so, and Alex, are you at any point like if that's your back that we're seeing, or literally were you kind no, of like no, a no, placeholder? No, I, I'm a placeholder. I'm a placeholder. Okay. I, I, I was. There was a scene that I was. I, you know, I, I'm. A, I'm afraid to even say what they filmed, but I don't. I don't think it was me. I'm not sure it was me, but I can't totally be sure. So I'm like, I don't know where. Where am oh, I? I don't give a shit. I'm saying it too. How do I exist in this world? Like it was kind of interesting. But it's one of those things, like, you know, these have been so dear to me, specifically Marvel Comics and specifically Star Wars have been so dear to me my whole life. And to kind of have these things come into fruition, it just is a, you know, you don't, especially, you know, we never thought there would be another Star Wars. We never thought about that. We never thought there would be another, a Marvel movie of, of that wasn't, you know, Nick Fury or Swamp Thing, you know, or another <laughs> shitty Captain America from the 80s. You know, we didn't know that would happen. So when yeah, all the red, stuff really, really quick though, the, the Red Skull actually looked pretty good in that Captain America. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was, that was a good prosthetics. It was. I'm good. talking about the Matt Challenger one. I'm not talking about like the late '70s ones. Those are bad. Yeah, you ever seen those like two TV movies? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Matt Challenger just wasn't a good. I mean, he wasn't a right fit for Cap. He's he a good actor, actually. I've seen him in some other stuff. But he wasn't a good fit for Cap. But yeah, but you know, honestly, for terrible. a B movie, that's not that bad. It really isn't. I, I always liked no. that when I was a kid. Yeah, well, you have terrible taste. That's why. That's <laughs> true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I know we got to get rid of uh, you guys. Got to get heading on here. But one last question: What is some advice that you'd give to our listeners who maybe uh, aspire to be filmmakers or writers and want to do and maybe take some somewhat of a similar path that you did, uh, making the bet? Go for it, Alex. What would you say first? You have to just take everything. Take everything you can get. I know it's, it's a, I, by this point, it is, again, a cliche, but you have to keep working, and you have to stay hungry. You just have to, because you're going to work shit jobs that you don't necessarily like, but you don't know what they're going to lead to. You don't know what you're going to learn from them, but you have to have an arsenal of things that you do, and you can't do it. You can't just all do it in your head, you know? You can't have this masterpiece just brewing in your head because then it's just in your head and it's not out in the world. You have to practice. You know, fine, fine-tune your skills, fine-tune your talents. Attach yourself to people you really believe in, who believe in you. You got to keep. You just got to keep pushing. It's a grind. This thing is not. You know, there's the allure of 
of standing next to somebody who's who's powerful or famous or successful, and you think I could be that. But the the amount of work that goes into those things is, is astronomically high, and you have to meet that if you want to if you want to be successful. You have to you have to fight for it because other people are fighting for it too, and they may be more talented or more passionate, but you have to do what you can within your you know within within your reality. You have to just push, 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 make, 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 make films, even if they suck. Well, I kind of have a, a question you know? to build off that. I mean, do you do you find it easier to break into the industry nowadays thanks to things like YouTube or um, things you know, like that? Not not necessarily. I mean, I do stuff on YouTube. I, I, I've done, you know, some, I've done some online stuff that I'm really happy with and proud of. I think it's funny. Um, but it's, that hasn't been my angle. I think everybody has a different angle and there's so many different ways to be in or successful. I think you can't be myopic about it. You know, you gotta be like, I have to hit, like if, if you want to make a web series, you can make it, you can do it and it's super cheap and you don't need any funding. If you have a camera, you have an iPhone, you can do all this stuff. You can upload it to your computer. It's super cheap. And if you have an idea, make it because you never know where it's going to go. And just the practice of making it makes you better. We'll make your next project better. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And, you know, I'm trying myself to hit as many possible angles as I can because I know that there's, there's, way, there's so many different ways to be successful or, you know, define your own success. And it might surprise you on how you do it. Yeah, I, I, you know, jumping in on what Alex said, I mean, define your own success. Like, the game has changed. Like, there's never been more people making film or making music or, or fill in the blank, right? Um, and, it, but you can do it now. I mean, it's, it's easier than it's ever been. I think that's flooding the market. I think it's harder to make money and make a living doing what we're doing than ever before, but you can still do it. So kind of define what your goals are, you know, make something that, you know, that, that is that is attainable, if you will. I mean, you got to do it because you love it, man. I mean, I'm yeah. my God. I'm moving into my late 30s, and I've never made a dollar. And I've toured the world. I've you know I put out multiple records. I just made a movie. Like all of my dreams as a little kid have come true. The only one is I've never made any money, but I was willing to. Um, take that trade. I was willing to be poor as long as I was able to keep going after my dreams because it meant that much to me. And you have to be willing to take that risk, you know? I mean, because yeah. I tell myself, well, what, what if I would have went to college? What if I would have got a degree? What if I would have had a job in an office? Here I am talking to you, you know, 35 years old, and I, um, you know what I mean? I'm successful, but I've never done anything. never really traveled except for a couple vacations. God knows I've never written a movie. God knows I've never become friends with Chuck or Diamond Dallas Page or guys that are heroes of mine. Like, you know, you have to be willing to take that risk. I mean, like, I'd rather have all my dreams come true and be poor than be rich and never had any of my dreams come true. And I just think you have to be called to do it and willing to work harder than everybody else. There's talented people out there that are unsuccessful. There's lucky people that are unsuccessful. But if you're hardworking, something will happen. It may not be the top of the food chain, but damn it, I think you will find some type of place for yourself and have some memories and experiences if you're willing to work harder than the next guy. You know, where's your eye hey, at? Prepare to be poor and love what you do. Yeah. Let me jump on just real quick. Is uh, That's not lip service from Chris. Like, Chris is actually... I don't want this to become a compliment fest, but you're, he's he's one of the hardest workers, I, the, the the strongest hustlers in the best way I've ever met. Thanks, this awesome. guy made this movie happen. This could have been a 5D, shot on a 5D. Nobody would have saw it. 
you know, nobody would, there'd be no money pumped in, but Chris uh, hustled. He made this happen. He made everything that happened. He made the premiere, ha- everything that happened about this movie. I, it's owed to Chris. And, uh, you know, a, you never hear what goes on behind a producer or a writer, or whatever they have to do, but the, the, just the acumen you have to make this happen is really the reason it is. The reason it exists in the form it does is pure hustle. And it's I would largely due to Chris and Reza and Aaron also. You know, these guys just put so much behind it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My co-writing partner and co-producer Aaron Goldberg and our producer Reza Riazzi and the director Ryan Edder. Man, yeah. these guys, Matt, we, we, we stayed on course with this thing long after anybody would have been on board, if that makes sense. They would have given up. They would have abandoned it. But we just stayed in the mix, man. We outworked people. And even now we're doing a publicity campaign. i got a buddy who put a movie out with a bigger budget than mine. He can't get anything. And we're talking to all sorts of people. And we're having this. The premiere was huge. And there's all this excitement around the movie. And it's like, you just, you got it. You can't. You just got to work it, man. You just got to go, go, go. Because what else are you going to do? I don't want to look back in six months and say, I could have worked harder. I could have worked harder. Mm-hmm. I blew it. That movie never had a chance because I was a slacker, you know? Like, it talked to absolute geek because I had a long day at work. I mean, fill in the blank. But, dude, just work harder than the next motherfucker and you'll get somewhere, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, again, I want to pre- say thanks so much for uh, you guys coming on. I really appreciate talking with you guys and... Hey, here Matt, bit, thank you, man. Uh, hearing a little bit of how what into, went into making this film and um, and how much passion you put into the bet. Um, where can people find this film? You got it, man. Right now, it just got released as we talked to you on uh, this week, about two days ago, on VOD, Video On Demand. So if you have a cable network, DirecTV, Comcast, go to the movie section, type in the bet. You'll have to search for it. Nine out of ten places will have it. And then, of course, the big one is iTunes. Obviously, the movie's on iTunes. You can go there. You can watch it there. You can also see it on Fandango now. You can see it on Xbox. You can see it on PlayStation, Google+, Amazon Prime. Anywhere that they have digital movies, you can find this film. And, of course, if you want to follow us or check any of our stuff out, go to the Bet Movie 2016, and that's what we're using on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, at the Bet Movie 2016. We're keeping everybody updated on everything. And if you like the film, you find it funny, please rate it and review it on iTunes and Rotten Tomatoes. And that is the end of my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and it was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk with me. Um, make sure you go out and check out the Bet Movie on iTunes and video on demand and anywhere you can find it. Um, again, Alex and Chris, I want to thank you so much for, for sitting down with me and, uh, I hope you guys have a great day. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. man. Absolute pleasure, man. Good luck with everything. Your podcast is a lot of fun and I'm not joking yeah. when I say Alex and I, like, this is our world, Like you know, we're listeners. So, yeah. well, we, we definitely appreciate it and, uh, glad we could sit down and talk. And again, I wish you all the best going forward and I hope this movie, uh, turns out some pretty amazing things for you. Cool, cool. Well, Keep in touch, brother. Well. I look forward to talking yeah. to you soon, man. All right, guys. Have a good night. Right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. I just want to give one more big thanks to Chris J and Alex Klein for sitting down with me and talking about the bet. Go out, check out the film. It's on iTunes. It's on video on demand. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure you will too, especially if you're a fan of this show and our crazy crude humor. Um, 
it was it was a lot of fun talking to them guys, getting to pick their brain. I tried to pick Alex's brain a little bit about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, as I literally just got that information before sitting down to do the interview. But he stonewalled me, man. He had it locked up tight. And I guess that's, uh, that's what you got to do when you're under a uh, NDA through Disney and you want to make sure that you don't have a sniper outside your door in a little mouse costume um, waiting to take you out if you spill the beans on one of their biggest movies. Um, to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I'm looking forward to seeing Alex in that movie. Um, Who knows? Maybe we can sit down with Alex again and talk a little bit more about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and his role in it once the film comes out. And hopefully we can set that up. So my only last question is, what the hell are you still doing here listening to me? You should be out downloading the bet on iTunes, on video on demand, and prepare to laugh your fucking ass off. And for the Absolute Geek Podcast, my name is Matt saying we will see you next time.